This is WVEW Brattleboro 107.7 FM, your community radio station, streaming online at WVEW.org. You're listening to Indigo Radio, deepening understanding, making connections, every Sunday at noon. You can also find us at Facebook, Instagram, and on iTunes at Indigo Radio. And we are also replaying every Tuesday at 3 on WVEW. The views of this show are those of the guest and host, not the radio station. Indigo Radio is a group of area educators seeking to learn through engaging with others in our community and throughout the world. This is Anna Milani, and I am a local educator and also a current student studying public health at UMass Amherst. And today we're going to spend the hour on Yemen. In the last month, there has been increased attention to the humanitarian crisis in Yemen with the assassination of Washington Post reporter and Saudi dissident Jamal Khashoggi on October 2nd inside the Saudi consulate in Istanbul. The U.S. and U.K. have been backing the Saudi coalition bombing campaign of Yemen that began back in 2015. Today is often reported as the world's worst humanitarian crisis. The U.N. reported recently that 14 million are on the brink of famine. A year ago, that number was at 8 million, so there has been quite an increase. Reports of 10,000 that have died in the conflict, however, that is more likely to be 50,000 to 60,000 and could be 80,000 by the end of the year, not to mention those dying of disease, which was 150,000 last year. In Yemen, there's the largest cholera outbreak in recorded history, which is a completely preventable and curable disease, and a Yemeni child dies every 10 minutes. I heard Kathy Kelly, she's a longtime peace activist that works currently for Voices for Creative Nonviolence. She said recently in an interview uh, when she was speaking about Jamal Khashoggi and his horrific killing was that the dismemberment of children hit by aerial attacks is just as ghastly as his dismemberment. And she linked his strangulation to the children dying of starvation. And I think this attention to children that Kathy Kelly brought up is very important. And it also reminded me of a Howard Zinn quote that has always stayed with me when I first read it. Um, He said, we need to decide that we will not go to war, whatever reason is conjured up by the politicians or the media, because war in our time is always indiscriminate, a war against innocence, a war against children. So last night I interviewed two activists and organizers in New York City doing work around Yemen. Isaac Evans France works with an action corps and Yemeni American Somaya El Romain, a Yemeni activist in New York City, and she's working with the Arab Women Club in Bay Ridge in Brooklyn. So we are gonna go to a song that Somaya sent me this morning and we'll be back to play the interview. رغم الظروف القاسية رغم المحن حبي لها أمي سقتني إياه في وسط اللبن حبي لها رغم الظروف القاسية رغم المحن حبي لها أمي سقتني إياه في وسط اللبن انعشت
And you're listening to Indigo Radio. That was a song called My Beloved Yemen that Somaya sent to me this morning. And we're going to go to part one of the interview with Somaya. She is a Yemeni activist in New York City and also with uh, Isaac, who is also working in New York City. Where I wanted to start today was what came out in the news. I was watching all morning. They were talking about how the CIA has concluded that the Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salam is connected to the assassination of Jamal Khashoggi. Mm -hmm. And so there's been a lot probably last night and then today on that. And I feel that the sort of news cycle has been a lot about Jamal Khashoggi and the assassination that happened inside the Saudi consulate in, uh, in Turkey. And I was wondering if one of you could speak to how that incident has maybe changed the conversation or influenced the conversation around Yemen. For me, like, I, I don't know. I feel like it's not a surprise what Mohammed bin Salman had done. This is like actually who he is. He have been killing like people in my country for more than four years and no one talked. Thousands of kids like have been dying because of the bombing that he keep like he's keeping bombing Yemen and like he bombed schools, hospitals, everywhere. Like he killed a lot of people. People are dying from hunger, from from the like from the strike that he had done to my country and also now he's sending like uh food from his country as a like aid to my to my people and which is expired food so this is what they usually do and why it takes long time for people to realize who's the saudi the saudi prince who's he why it took all these years, they they were like just wearing sunglasses to not seeing what's happening in Yemen. And now it's like, now it's very clear to them. Why like one person who's generous died and everyone now starts speaking about how bad he is. And they didn't speak about how bad he was like since three years or four years. Why it took all of this time? I don't understand. Those mm-hmm. people who's in Yemen, they like they they killed because of his administration of so Mohammed bin Salman the way how he is like treating people of his like you know he's very greedy. He want to take everything for him. He want to take everything that Yemen it's like Yemen is very rich country. He want to take everything for him. He doesn't want to see my country better than any country. Mm-hmm. Isaac, do you want to add anything to that? Sure. So the Saudi crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman, kidnapped the Lebanese prime minister. He cut Saudi diplomatic ties with Canada, expelling the Canadian ambassador and withdrew hundreds of Saudi students from Canada in reaction to Canada's call for the kingdom to free Saudi activists. And he obviously, as we've seen this the cia report is that he ordered the murder of the journalist jamal khashoggi 
in the Saudi consulate in Istanbul. And he's also threatened to leverage the Saudi's position within the global market to retaliate against international condemnation of Saudi's human rights abuses and abuse of, you know, basically enacting uh, war crimes in Yemen. You know, this is all in addition to deliberately using starvation as a tactic of war to control the people of Yemen and to ostensibly fight the Houthi rebels in Yemen and which leading to which has caused the world's worst humanitarian crisis. So this is all happening. So there's a thread between these different actions. It's not like the murder of the journalist was some random thing. It wasn't random at all. It's, it follows a pattern of years of this regime. And it and honestly didn't start with Mohammed bin Salman, but he has intensified and has really just taken the rogue violence to a new level. And in terms of why this particular incident has gotten as much media attention as it has, I think that it has to do with the fact that First of all, the the murder was of a journalist who wrote for the Washington Post. And I think the fact that it was someone who had such a uh, large following, but more than that, that he had this relationship with the United States that he wrote for a U.S. paper, I think certainly got the attention of U.S. journalists who helped pass that information along to the American public. But... I agree with Somea that this is nothing new and that there are millions of people whose lives are imperiled because of the U.S.-backed Saudi-led coalition in Yemen and the bombing of civilians and the essential blocking of entry of foods and medicine and water and fuel and other needed items into the country. Yeah, and I want to talk about that a little bit. I I think I mentioned uh, teach public health at the University of Massachusetts Amherst uh, to undergraduate juniors and seniors. And this week, we they had to learn how to write press releases. And for three semesters, I've actually used the situation in Yemen to get them to primarily first learn about Yemen because many of them have not learned about Yemen and the public health crisis in the country. And so that's my first goal. And then to have them write and think about what language they would use to make people aware of what's going on. And Isaac, you just mentioned about uh, starvation and there was this report, I'm guessing you've seen it from Martha Mundy, She's a professor emeritus at the London School of Economics, and it came out this past month. It was on aerial bombardments and what she calls a food war, where it was a shift from military targets to agricultural targets and targeting boats, fishermen along the Red Sea, and really destruction of food production and distribution sites. And they parallel this to the Vietnam War, where there is use of chemical warfare, Agent Orange, Agent Purple, Agent White, which was designed to kill vegetation and poison the environment and population. So can you um, talk more about what is happening on the ground for people in Yemen because of um, the destruction of the infrastructure? 
So Maya could probably speak better to this question than I about what's actually happening in Yemen on the ground. Actually, Yemenis people, like they have been living without salary for more than three years. People, they can't even stop work. They have to work because school is going to close. Hospital, who's going to take care of people who's sick. People are still working, but without money. They were still waiting for some organization to give them some food, some uh, support with medicine. But unfortunately, it's not like it's not all the places receiving this support. The and the aid. The, the problem that there are a lot of places which is like those organization can't reach those places because of the war, what's happening over there, and now because of the situation. Because as you know, there is like a big problem now in. Hudaydah, Saudi Arabia, and Emirates, they keep bombing people who's there. They want to take the uh, uh, board from there. They just want to stop the uh, ship and um, boats, which is coming with food and medicine, because uh, it's the only way to get food and medicine. It's by uh, Hudaydah uh, port. And now they just want to take it, because they don't want people to get some food, some medicines they are trying like to black aid yemen from everywhere and people are now really like all people are in really bad situation especially the yemenis people who's living in the united states they still have families over there they have families which is there are some of them in djibouti or malaysia or egypt are stuck in there and they can't even like supporting them People who's living in the United States and they have family over there, they work more than 12 hours every single day to try to support the family who's in Yemen, who's in Djibouti, who's in Malaysia, and who's in the United States. Some of them, they have like three parts of the family. like Their family is like divided to three parts, which is really difficult to them to support all these people. And now the dollars going really up in Yemen. So, which is like now people, they can't even afford it to buy clean water. It's really difficult for them to live that way. And even some people like which is who's the people who's living in the South, who's living in, uh, under Saudi Arabia and Emirat, uh, like which is like now they are taking over the South. People, they still, they, they got their salary, but their salary, it's equal $50, some of them. And... And some of them, their salary equal hundred dollars. It's it's mean nothing. You can't buy anything. It's not gonna it's not gonna be enough for them for only like maybe it's gonna be enough for two days, three days. That's it. And the rest of the month, how they gonna eat? They they are starving more than the north. At least at the north, there are some organizations to trying to support people. But the people who's in the south, they are worse than the north. If Saudi Arabia and Emirates they care about Yemenis people and they just fight Houthi. Why do you take care of the people who's living in the south, who's under their administration? Why they are starving? Why they are suffering from them? The south is very hot places. In the hot weather, they have they don't have electricity. They, they 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 some people they have a problem with the hospitals. They don't have electricity for people who has kidney diseases. Some people they died because of that. So if Saudi Arabia and mm. and this coalition. They care about Yemenis people and they just want to uh, stop Houthi. Why they didn't take care of the people who's really under their uh, administration? 
That was Somea and Isaac, two activists and organizers in New York City, talking about the situation in Yemen. And we are going to go to another song that uh, Somea sent me this morning. This song is entitled Yemen in Our Heart. Yemen in Our Heart by Fuad Abdel Wahid. And this is Indigo Radio you're listening to. This is Anna. And I am airing an interview I did last night with two activists in New York City. Uh, we're going to go back to part two of that interview with Somaya and Isaac. The, th- the question that goes along with that, too, is about this ceasefire that has been called for. And this was called for in the first week of November. And then I was reading today that talks are being set up in Sweden, but that it had to be done within 30 days. And so my question is, why has there not been a call for uh, immediate ceasefire? Why would the U.S. say a ceasefire within 30 days? And what are the implications of that? I think that's a really good question. And it's one that I wonder myself 
Um, it essentially is a cop out for the Trump administration. It's a way, I think, to say, look, we're advocating for peace without actually really using any political capital or putting anything on the line. There is a strong economic interest that the Trump administration has in preserving positive diplomatic relationship with the Saudi regime. Saudi Arabia is very wealthy and there has been quite a bit of investment between the two countries. And it's a geopolitical issue as well that the U.S. wants that relationship with Saudi Arabia to be able to exercise influence in the Middle East. So I think that that's essentially why. But, you know, I think of it, it, I think about the people who are on the verge of starvation, the 14 million people in Yemen who are facing what the UN has said will become the world's worst famine in 100 years in the next couple of months if the course doesn't change significantly. And the U.S. could play a critical role in bringing the airstrikes and the blockade of Yemen to an end. And that's what Somaya and myself and others around the U.S. Have, and actually around the world have been advocating for. And we've been demonstrating and meeting with members of Congress. And there's, you know, if the U.S. were to withdraw all military support from Saudi Arabia t- tomorrow, the airstrikes would stop. The, Saudi Arabia relies on the U.S. both for military support, but also the diplomatic cover, the, the legitimacy that the U.S. gives to Saudi Arabia by backing their military campaign in Yemen. The number I have on that uh, military support or the arms deal is $110 billion. Is that correct? That's the number that the Trump administration has talked about. They, they often will overplay that amount, and I don't have the exact number. I think it depends on how you actually want to count it. But it is, a, it is a huge amount of money that the U.S. and particularly weapons manufacturers have been able to make from sales to Saudi Arabia. I mean, Saudi Arabia is one of the largest consumers of U.S. weapons. And it's, it, 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 clearly these weapons are being used to commit war crimes. I mean, the, the summer, the bombing of the school bus, and that was a deliberate military target of the, by the Saudi government, the, in which dozens of school children were killed. The bombings of weddings, of hospitals, of farms. You were talking about food protection. I had an opportunity to speak with somebody who lives in the Bronx, whose family was has a farm in Yemen and their farm was bombed. And then as they were, what what he said is a common strategy is for first bomb will fall. And then as people are coming back to their home to get, you know, maybe people are running away and then as the bomb is being dropped and then running back to try to rescue other family members or whatever, the the Saudi coalition will come back and bomb again to make sure that they get get all the people. I mean, just horrendous stories. And again, we as Americans have the capacity to apply major pressure to end these atrocities. And 
there it's I'm very hopeful about the fact that there are members of Congress, including Vermont's Senator Bernie Sanders, who's introduced legislation, and uh, Senator Leahy, who's written statements in support of ending U.S. involvement in the war, and Representative Welch. They've all taken stances against U.S. involvement in this war, and that's that's great. And we need to be thanking them and supporting them and making sure that other members of Congress are following in their footsteps. Yeah, and I want to get to uh, some of those bills and legislation I know that you've been doing your work around. I first just want to ask, uh, Somea, can you talk about the the position of Yemen and sort of the geopolitical importance of, of Yemen? Um, what do you mean exactly? Meaning what is... What is Saudi Arabia's interest in Yemen, or the U.S. for that matter? As we know, Yemen has like a, a really important uh, location in Middle East, and that's what makes like this coalition interesting in Yemen. And also, Yemen is a very rich country, which is, has like oil, and now all the oil going to Saudi Arabia, and people in Yemen they can't even afford it buying the oil. Is now it's more expensive than United States of America, and and this is the thing. So the really funny things that even the gold Yemen has like people they keep uh, buying the gold from Yemen. So if you we if we heard about the gold that's what is called um, uh, the Gulf, they keep buying the gold from Yemen and making it over there. But like honestly, now they just steal it. They take everything. They they don't care about the people in Yemen. And at the end, we heard about Sukhatra, if you heard about Sukhatra land, and which is, has like a very pretty uh, trees, like you can't find it anywhere in the world. Also, like they they just steal everything. They stole this, the trees, everything in the land. And yeah, they, they just want to take everything from there. They don't want to let people to live. They don't want people to stay even alive. They are just destroying everything in Yemen. And also the most important thing that Yemen, it's democratic uh, country, which is like the president is elected. Uh, women there, they have right, like better than any countries in Middle, in Middle East. And which is like people, they don't know about that. People, they don't know how Sana'a house the capitals of Yemen. We know that Yemen, it's like has a lot of like it's like the government. Sometimes they don't control all the countries. Some places in the country, it's the tribes, which is they, they control that those places, some village, but like the capitals and other uh, cities, which is controlled by the government. It's really, really they give the freedom for the women. They drive, they finish college, they study. We have like professors in college. We have, they are like working in the government. They are working in very big uh, organization like UN and another. I graduate from Sana'a University. Like I, I, I graduate from Sana'a University with a bachelor degree of physics and mathematics. My sisters and brothers, all of them graduate from Sana'a University. They finish master's degree. So people, they are very educated in Yemen. And most of the people who's like, if you heard about Saudi Arabia, like their people, they don't work. They just like independent on people who come in from outside of the country. And they have a lot of Yemenis people who's immigrant over there and they run the country for them. They played the game to 
not let that youth, the people who start the revolution, to run the country because they were afraid of the way that they think because like all those people very educate all those people they care about the country and they have like a new vision for our country and they were like really scared to let those people yeah. lay the country and like start implementing the new system that they were dreaming about that's why they returned Ali Abdullah Saleh and they supported him that Ali Abdullah Saleh started fighting with them there is a problem happened with them and then he was like supporting to Houthi for a while that like everyone knows about this story about how was like Saudi Arabia playing from the back and supporting each group to fight each other this is their game they don't want Yemen to have mm -hmm. one government and to have like a really good government to care about the people in the Yemen. They just want to control everything. And this is the same thing that they are doing in Syria. Same thing. So they just don't want the other countries to be strong and to be uh, more democratic than them. And they just want to show people that their way, the dictatorial way, it's the only way that you can keep your country safe. This is the, the, the message that they want to send it to all, uh, to all the countries. If you're going to look to the Middle East, all the countries that come to uh, the spring, uh, Arab Spring, it, it came only to the countries that has president. Mm -hmm. it's, not has, it's not the country that has a king, if, you, if you're going to realize that. <laughs> because they, yeah. they just want to send message that they are stronger and they have better system than any country and the democratic is not going to work with arab this is what they want to people learn from the arab, arab spring and i was listening to another interview that you did with isaac actually and i had written something down that you said you you said we don't want intervention and i feel like everything that you just said right now supports um, what you had said in that past interview and the other question I have around that is with what's going on right now on the ground in Yemen, what are, what is some of the resistance that people are um, doing or organizing within the I, country? I, I was in my country like two years ago. Like I, I went to visit my people two years ago and I was surprised like people, how they care about each other and they know that, that what's happening, it's because they, they, they can't do it. They can't make the country much like the better place in this world. And they are trying as much as they can to support each other. They start having some reverage in the streets and putting food and writing like on those reverage free food. Mm. And like, and now like some organization and some people who's really rich, they, they uh, opened like um, a bakery for the poor people. They, so they can get like some bread for free. And they're trying them like the, the best to support each other, to feed each other. Uh, and if you like, if you saw the how Yemenis people who's living in the United States of America are trying their best to fundraise money and to send it to Yemen. Yeah, because like they are trying to support the small businesses, so which is can like uh, feed the people. Get some people get some uh, jobs, so they can uh, feed their families. Okay, that was 
So Maya, that you were just listening to talking about resistance on the ground in Yemen. And we're going to take another music break here. Uh, it is a song from the Southern Resistance um, by Aboud Kawaje. Uh, he's a famed singer in the Gulf, and he has used his music to demand independence um, for Yemen. لا قال الفات البداعة بالمعراج كل يسويح ذيها في رجلة لما يحانق شيء على أرضه والشرعية وشبات سوال الفتى البدع بالمعراك اللي يسوح دي في رجلة لما يحانقش على أرضه الشرعية إشبات سوالة قال الفتى البدع بين معراك كل يسوح Indigo Radio, and this is Anna, and we are spending the hour on Yemen. And you were just listening to a song by Aboud Kawaja, and he is a political activist. That song was about the Southern resistance, and another political activist said of the songs of Kawaja that they give him hope that independence will eventually come to the region. And He's quoted as saying, singing is a part of the war, and I cannot imagine any revolution without its own songs. So we have been talking to Isaac and Sumeya in 
New York City. And one thing I wanted to actually follow up with before we go to the last part of the interview is that I had asked about the ceasefire. And what's interesting about this is that the, the U.S. called for a ceasefire and saying that it needs to happen within 30 days. And some of the analysts say that really this is rhetoric of peace and, you know, why not an immediate ceasefire? And that it gives the Saudi regime time to attack the port of Hodeida, which that port um, brings in 70% of the imports, so much-needed food and medical supplies uh, that are really destroying um, Yemen and and people are not able to get these necessary supplies for survival. And that for years the U.S. and the U.K. have blocked a ceasefire and calls for talks. So that's what's happening right now. And then on the news this, mor- this morning on Al Jazeera, um, it says the Saudi-led coalition resumes Hodeida air raids after two-day lull and that these air raids have resumed over Hodeida in Yemen, the main port for food and medical supplies. Uh, So I just wanted to give that update. So we are going to go back to this interview, and um, this is the last segment of the interview. We're going to be talking about some bills that Isaac with Action Corps has been working on, and both of them will talk about the responsibility of American citizens. Uh, to have you talk to us a little bit about some of these bills. And you had sent me this article, and I'm just going to read the headline, and I feel like you can go from there. How a vote on wolves became a vote on Yemen. And this just happened in the past couple of days. So if you could explain what's going on with that, that would be great. Sure. So basically what happened is that a bill has was introduced that would... They would order the president of the United States to withdraw all U.S. military support from the Saudi coalition in Yemen. Congress never authorized the U.S. backing of the Saudi coalition in Yemen, the, which has been marked by these airstrikes against school, on school buses, weddings, farms, markets, etc. And basically, Congress, the U.S. House of Representatives voted this past week to um, block a debate and a vote on U.S. involvement in the war. They basically tabled that bill and said they're not going to take it up right now. Now, when the Democrats take control over the House in January, they very may well bring that back up to the floor for a debate, for a vote. Does that answer your question? It does. And also explain for our listeners any of the other bills that we should be watching or what your group or organization is working on? Sure. So there's legislation in both the House and the Senate, which we are urging members of Congress to co-sponsor to invoke the War Powers Resolution of 1973, which reiterates Article 1 of the the Constitution, which says that Congress has the power to declare war in Congress alone. And this War Powers Resolution allows any member of Congress to call for a debate and a vote on U.S. involvement in a war that Congress is not authorized. And Bernie has introduced 
a piece of legislation that would do this as in the U.S. Senate. And we would love for Vermonters and others to, ur to urge their friends in New Hampshire to contact their U.S. senators and ask them to co-sponsor Bernie's Yemen bill. We have been advocating for the members of particularly Democrats to take a lead on this because while it Trump administration has certainly been the most responsible for supporting the Saudi coalition in Yemen, the Democrats in Congress have a role in opposing this and they could be a lot more vocal, not just against the murder of the journalist okay. Khashoggi, but also against the U.S.-backed Saudi war in Yemen. And tell us what your organization does in New York and some of the activities that you've been doing. Sure. So I'm a volunteer with Action Corps, and Action Corps started as a program of Oxfam about 11 years ago, and in the last two years became independent, and we're, we're building an organization around the U.S. We actually had a chapter in Burlington for a while and in Vermont, and um, I lead the group in I lead Action Corps NYC, and our focus is really on justice for the people most affected by climate disasters and violent conflict. And the situation in Yemen being the world's worst humanitarian crisis, and also being largely a result of U.S. complicity, we see this as a place where we can really have an opportunity to affect some change. And so we have been demonstrating on the streets and staging protests, as well as advocating with particular members of Congress to get them to move legislation forward. So, Mayo, what do you want to add here? I'm curious your thoughts about the responsibility for U.S. citizens around this, what they need to know and what they can be doing around this. I think U.S. citizen who cares about what's happening in Yemen, I wish if they can just do act and call their senators and ask them to do act and stop supporting Saudi Arabia coalition. Yemen, people in Yemen, my country, they do need money. People has to understand that. They do need money. Their country is rich enough. Just mm -hmm. they need support to stop what's happening there. So America, uh, United States of America, they have the power to stop Saudi Arabia. They have the power. And at the end, the people, if the people speak up, they can do what they want. I want people in the United States to support their Yemeni American who's living here, who's like really suffering of what's happening in their country, who's like working so many hours to support the families there. And like you heard about the Yemeni guy who killed himself because he couldn't support the family in Yemen and in Djibouti, and he couldn't even support himself here yeah. because of the muslim ban and also because what's happening in yemen people are stuck in everywhere people they sold all what they have what they own to survive like i hope our people in the united states of america who really cares about their brothers and sisters who's a yemeni american to just make act and call your senators and ask them to stop the war in yemen yeah Thank you. People want to call their member of Congress. They can call them at 202-224-3121. That's 
224-3121 and ask for their senator, for example. And they could, if it's Bernie Sanders, they can thank him for having introduced legislation to pull the U.S. out of the war in Yemen. Uh, Samaya, can you tell us a little bit about the work that you do? Is it is this correct, the Union of Arab Women in Bay Ridge? It's, yeah, Arab Women Club, yeah. Yeah, I'm actually leading the Arab Women Club in Bay Ridge. I'm community organizer. We do a lot of work over there to support the Arab community over there and Yemeni community also. Yeah. Is Bay Ridge a part of, sorry, of the city? I'm not sure where that is. Where is Bay Ridge? Isaac, are you laughing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah the Bay Ridge, it's, um, uh, it's a, a place. It's in uh, Brooklyn, New York. Uh, okay. It's, it has a large uh, of uh, Arab community who's living in this place. And yeah, and all those, like most of those people are Yemenis and they, okay, yeah, they are suffering of what's happening to them yeah. from Muslim ban and also from what happened to the country and to their country. I think one of the things that we try and do with our radio show, so all of us are, are educators, mostly in the K through 12 system, but a couple of us um, at the college level and with the radio show, we're often really trying to make those connections between our lives here and, and people's lives like here in, in Yemen and that our lives are linked, right? Like our tax dollars are linked to the destruction in Yemen and the killing of, of children and, and families. And mm -hmm. that the despair that you see here, so you know, homelessness on the streets, uh, people struggling with addiction, that these are not disconnected issues. But I, I think we struggle and I think we have to continue to work on how do we make these connections for people. One thing for either of you, just kind of as we close up here, is there anything that you want to leave us with or, or anything that I haven't asked you that you want our listeners to know either about Yemen or the situation or the, or the work that's being done? This is Isaac here. And one thing is that you know, we have huge challenges before us as human beings. We have, there's the threat of nuclear war. There's a threat of climate disasters. I mean, climate disasters that are currently happening. Um, it's great to see Vermonters taking, doing really good work around climate change. And, and by the way, climate change is affecting places like Yemen, where there's a lot of dryness and people need water to survive. And that just exacerbates the situation for people who are struggling. But, you know, and, and we're talking about famine and, you know, I, we didn't even get into the fact that the world's worst cholera outbreak in recorded history is, is happening in Yemen, mm -hmm. a completely preventable disease. But I want to remind us of the power of people. You know, I think we so often feel helpless or who am I to make a difference? We hear really disturbing things that are happening to our fellow human beings around the world. But you have immense power and you can use your voice to affect change in the world. And that's not just going to be good for other people, but that's also good for you when you can claim that power and that voice. And when you asked about how we make these connections, I think for me, one of the joys of doing this organizing work is the opportunity to connect with other human beings. And for instance, like getting to meet Somea has been such a gift and such a treasure. And I, I met Somea when, last spring when I was organizing a demonstration in response to the Saudi crown prince's visit to New York City. 
we felt like it was important to have some response to from American people about the fact that a war criminal was coming and meeting with all of these business leaders and political leaders in our city. And I, a, a mutual friend of Somea and mine said, oh, you should talk to Somea. And so when I told her about it, she said, okay, where's the flyer in Arabic? And I immediately just was like, okay, well, we're going to make this. And so by that night we had a flyer in Arabic that Somea had made. And she just, and she became the, the leader of the demonstration that we had on city hall steps and got mayor de Blasio to send out a tweet. And I think as part because of that demonstration, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand co-sponsored Bernie's bill about Yemen. And we were able to, to get together and do something. But to me, at the end of the day, it's about connection between human beings. So when, when I've had the opportunity to hear from Yemeni people about the importance that this work that we're doing has for them on an emotional level or a spiritual level, it's, it's not just about passing some legislation that's going to hopefully end the war and has to do with human survival, but it also has to do with hope. And people have told me that because of the work that we're doing collectively, that that gives them hope and some courage moving forward. And so that's what I would, I would like to leave listeners with is a reminder that we all have the capacity to reach across differences and to make friends and build relationships with people who speak different languages and who practice different religions. And that when we, that we work together for justice and for peace, that we can create beautiful things in this world. Thanks for that. And it takes brave acts um, from people and a lot of us. So Maya, do you want to add anything? Yeah, as Isaac, he said, like he already said everything. Yes, if we are going to work together to create it really a good place to live as a human being, we can do it. If we are not going to think about our background, our difference, our religion, and just think about who we are as a human being, we can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also I'm thankful like to have a person who's like Isaac. He had done so much work for Yemen, and I just want to say thank you so much because you are really amazing human being. <laughs> thank you. Thank you both so much. I that's really important. I think to to hear and see our common humanity uh, across this world. All right, we are back. This is Anna for Indigo Radio, and you were just listening to Isaac and Somea in New York City, both of them organizers and activists working around uh, the situation in Yemen. And I would just want to give another huge thank you to Isaac and Somea for spending time with me last night. Uh, lots of technical difficulties we had, and so thank you for your patience. Uh, it was wonderful to talk to you and for both of us, uh, or both of you, to teach me so much about what is going on there. And um, I know all of us at Indigo Radio, our hearts are with you, Somea, and your family and with the people of of Yemen. And that it's also going to take a lot more than our hearts. And so I've been thinking about this issue a lot in the past week because I did this lesson plan with my students. And just thinking about what do we need to do and how do we have an all-out fight against this where there are people that are making huge amounts of money off the suffering and killing of others and I know when pushed on this arms deal around the Jamal Khashoggi assassination 
Trump says that it, this deal with Saudi Arabia is so important because it provides Americans with jobs. And so it's diminished to this business deal and really erases the suffering and the faces of the children and the people of Yemen. And I just want to also, I'm going to link to this on our Facebook page when I put this show up later. In the spring of 2016, uh, two other Indigo hosts, Nina and Becca, they also did a show on Yemen, and that provides a lot of good background on the history of Yemen. So that's something to check out. Uh, one thing I want to go, I have to be getting out of here in a few minutes, but Brattleboro Solidarity is hosting, along with some other community members, a second Opposing the Criminalization of Poverty, Part 2, Take Action on November 27th. And we invite you all down to the Brooks Memorial Library at 5.30 to 7.30. There will be childcare. And it's really a time to continue the conversation that we had back in August around the criminalization of poverty and opposing that within our community of Brattleboro. And there will be concrete actions that people can do, such as signing up for meal teams for the overflow, uh, shelter with groundworks. There will be Narcan, Narcan training amongst other things. So that is something to check out. And I am going to go out with a song today. It is in the Iraqi Canadian artist, hip hop artist named Narsi. And uh, he has been doing a lot of songs and resistance around um, Yemen and, and other issues going on in the Middle East. I just wanted to read a quote here from him. He said, what we're all realizing is that we view nations as separate histories and nations get deleted as, through, as though their history is being deleted and not ours. But really, whether you take the example of Iraq or any other country, it's world history that has been deleted and our children will inevitably suffer from that. And I think what's happening now in the world and the way power is being exercised and called out and they're just afraid because the so-called minority is now the majority and they can't win. We're bigger than everybody. So I'm going to play a song uh, by Narsi called Free. And he says, free is the what if, Narsi says, if we were to deal with all these issues in a positive and organic way, then maybe we could look at each other as finally being free of any of the shackles that hold us back in society. So I'm going to go out with that song. And next week, we'll be talking about the day of mourning. Uh, and I hope you have a good afternoon. One day, one day, one day, one day, one day. Free! youth, North American roots, supernatural proof, international truth, 
Superhero salute, all of my people aloof What do you choose, a bullet or noose? Why do we live in polluting and clean and remove? Forgive me, I lose track Most of my people are under attack Trying to breathe, smothered in gas Working a shift, pumping the gas Driving a cab, paying the tax Laying a country flat Open a laundromat, what's wrong with that? Everything relative, stomach development, right? He said he'd been digging a plan. Give him an inch and he taking the land. Everyone's scared to be sticking a man. Must be that taste of freedom. What you think it takes to beat him? He's a cheater. There's no trust in that. I don't even think this country love me back. So I believe. Free. For our children's children's children. One day we are free. We are the native sons and daughters. We are the brave and hunted. We are the same. We are amazing. We are the hated. We are the favorite. We are the change. We are the sacred. We are the strange. We either came on a boat or a plane. Both of them harbored the pain. We are the master. We are the slave. Cast out in the rain. We selfless and helpless and vain and selfish. The pain, the shooter, the victim. We are the home. We are the drone. We are the fear. We are the near because we're the reflection in the mirror. Yeah. We are the people, we are the equal, we are the past, we are the sequel, we are the never, we're the forever, we live in hell or we live in the heaven, honestly can't even tell you the difference, cause and effect, cause we blessed, I also believe that we should be the best, so I to hear you on the count of three, say it with me, say free, I said one, two, three, I need to hear everybody in the room say it like you mean it, I said one, two, three, for our children's children's children. One, two, three.